Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting episode of Coco and Dots. We're real people bringing you real reviews of all the latest TV shows and movies that are streaming on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Disney+. Plus. I'm not Dots. And I'm not Coco. And today we are reviewing uh, Challenger, a week old series on Netflix. It's a four part docuseries about the space shuttle Challenger accident from 1986. So Daltz, why don't you let the people know what that's all about? So the official title of the four series, four piece, four part series, hello, docuseries. <laughs> Do you want to start over again? Is called Challenger, the final flight. Oh, okay. Sorry that I missed the final three words of that, people. Right. It's not just Challenger. It's Challenger, the final flight. I don't think I actually knew that. And uh, (laughs) it was on Netflix, like Coco said, debuted a week ago as we're recording this podcast. It is essentially a re... uh, Well, it's a look back at this disaster from 1986 when Challenger was launched and exploded uh, mid-flight after launch. Um, and the investigation that ensued and what went on behind the scenes, what went on during and what went on after. It's uh, pretty compelling. We, we are featuring many of the f- uh, family members in this docuseries, um, some of the engineers that were involved. A lot of the key players are in it, and it's a really good and comprehensive look at this disaster. Having said that, I actually wish it would have been longer. It was four episodes that were all around the 45 minute mark. I think this could have been a six or eight episode series. Wow. Yeah. And we usually don't say that about anything, listener, but I think they could have gone more into detail about the families, the fallout, like it it briefly mentioned at the very end. Oh, yeah. And in 2002, there was another space disaster and seven more lives were lost like i felt it could have gone more into the fallout for nasa so i would have i would have i would have taken another couple episodes of this for sure yeah and i think the major issues here are sort of like the bureaucracy and how how human lives can get lost in the shovel so in this crew in this crew in 86 there was seven crew members um one of whom was Christy McAuliffe, who many people will remember, who was the first teacher in space, was supposed to be the first teacher in space. Didn't, didn't make it. She was not the first civilian because there had been a couple of uh, civilians who had went up in previous uh, shuttle flights. Um, and the docuseries uh, focuses largely on her and her family and mm-hmm. sort of like the process of her being named and the, her backup, who was also a teacher, obviously. And... Um, I thought that was really kind of a compelling part uh, and a compelling way to do it was to sort of personalize this every person goal to go into space and how she overcame it and the, the challenges she faced and everything like that. And I thought it was, I thought her perspective was good because it could have been otherwise a very dry engineering kind of focused piece. It's like, mm-hmm. well, we're talking about O-rings again, you know, like. <laughs> It, it, it was more than that, obviously. It was about the people that were, the, the lives that were lost. And I think, I think sometimes we think of astronauts as being superhuman and, and people we can't really relate to uh, because they have these, you know, this incredible intellect and this incredible uh, physical qualities that 
many of us don't have that combination. Well, other than you, Coco. Um, <laughs> Aside from not having 20-20 vision and having extreme motion sickness. So right. I could I could never go into space. Yeah, when they were doing that one thing where they go the, the round and around, you know, the one that was in the, <laughs> right, in totally. the James Bond movie. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, like, can that's... you just push the button and I'm done? <laughs> right, totally. Just let me put the spacesuit on and be like, I'm an astronaut for a minute. And then <laughs> I'm not actually going to go through any of the tests. I'll be the backup. I'll be the right. backup to the, like, to the journalist who goes up and be, I'll be the second. <laughs> right. Like, oh yeah, go, you go, man. Because I can't do that roundy, roundy thing. There's no way. <laughs> Centrifugal force, not my friend. No, not my friend at all. Like if we go on the Six Flags ride, I'm like, yeah. I'm done for the rest of the day. So yeah, my dad and I did that when I was a little kid. And then we had to sit there for like an hour afterwards while my mom gave us water and like <laughs> pressed like wet. Damp cloths to your head. Yeah, because we were both, like, we had a really bad time with that. <laughs> Why do people do these things to themselves? I don't know. But anyway, the docuseries I thought was through her eyes. It was presented through her eyes and her family's eyes in a lot of ways was very relatable. And um, it, it it underlined to me, reinforced the tragedy of all this, is that the space mission NASA was designed to go up to space many times and deliver payloads and put satellites up into space. And the shuttle was, was the, the pinnacle of technology at the time. But... The unknown factors at the time were that it was just it was just a crapshoot every time they went up. They had no idea if it was going to blow up every time it went up. And it was just really nerve wracking. That was the thing that was both the saddest and most infuriating thing to me was if you um, so if you weren't alive in 1986 or if you don't really remember a whole lot about it, uh, there was a company in Utah called called Morton Thiokol, which was responsible for these solid rocket boosters, which were, you know, basically the gas tank that got the shuttle into space, although it wasn't filled with gas, you know, it was like hydrogen yeah. and, you know, nitrogen. Or it was something. the engine that got yeah. them out of uh, and, Earth's uh, atmosphere. The solid rocket boosters were reused after every launch. So they would go out to the ocean, drag them back to shore, take them back to Utah, like refurbish them for use again. And there are these things in the solid rocket boosters called O-rings, which... So if you're like me, you have like shaker bottles that you drink like protein shakes and stuff in. And if you look in the lid, there's this little plastic ring that helps with the seal. That's basically what the O-ring of the solid rocket booster is. It's yeah. like a souped up protein shake bottle plastic sealer thing right. for your lid. And the solid the, the O-rings on the solid rocket boosters started having issues pretty early on in the shuttle launches. And Morton Thiokol engineers are telling NASA repeatedly, these things can't take low temperatures. Right. These things are starting, like the the first one is starting to like disintegrate. Yep. So the backup one, you know, is going to have issues as well. Like, more, like every single person from Morton Thiokol who was interviewed told NASA, this is not safe. We can't do this. We can't do these launches. And NASA in the 80s was just like you know, drunk sailors spending on leave. They're just like, no, it's fine. We're going to do it. The American people love it. We need to show of strength, blah, blah, blah. And so everybody knew this tragedy was going to happen at some point. Everybody at Morton Thiokol knew. Everybody at NASA deep down knew, mm -hmm. even if they were ignoring all the warnings. And the seven people who went up in the Challenger were sitting ducks. Mm -hmm. Like they had no idea. They yep. and their families had no clue that this was going to happen, obviously, or else they probably wouldn't have gotten on the shuttle. And so now you've got seven people whose lives have been lost completely needlessly right. that could have been prevented. Seven families that have been torn apart. Children have grown up without parents. 
uh, you know, wives have lost husbands, you know, seven brilliant minds have been taken. Mm -hmm. Like, what could they have done? They could have contributed so much more because they were all like in their 30s and 40s. Like everybody was still in the prime of their lives. And that's the saddest and most infuriating thing to me was that this was known. Mm -hmm. This didn't come out of nowhere. This had been known for months, if not years, that this was a thing that was an issue that needed to be addressed or else lives were going to be lost. And it didn't happen until after the Challenger accident. And then Morton Thiokol was able to redesign the solid rocket boosters. And it took they never, three years. It took three years, and then they never failed again after that. Right. The, the tragedy, the space shuttle tragedy that happened in the early 2000s, it was some completely different issue that apparently right. was also known to NASA, and NASA had been ignoring it. Yep. And then after that, they were like, oh, I guess we got to you know redo this again. It was so. on re-entry in 2003, I believe it was. Yeah. That crew was lost. So they're, they make a point of saying that they're... 800 and some odd uh, astronauts went into space uh, over the course of the shuttle and uh, the space program for NASA, and they lost 14 crew members. And there's a, a, a feeling, I think, that that's really good as right. far as a percentage goes, but there's still 14 people that are gone and their families are destroyed as a and, result. And people whose lives didn't need to be lost because right. the because issues... Of incompetence. Yeah, because of incompetence. Because, you know, NASA just ignored the warnings like you i said to adults at one point while we were watching this i'm like you can tell this is the 80s because nasa's just like blowing money left and right sending all these space shuttles you know up and you know because we didn't apparently have anything else to spend money on in the 80s and they were just you know it was like a giant pile of cocaine they were just like (laughs) oh look at what we can do you know well and and with uh, reagan putting the heavy press on nasa to show the russians that we are we being the americans are superior technology wise and so you're launching shuttles into the space like well the russians aren't doing that like what are they doing over there somebody said uh something as well i can't remember who it was but they said that the russians would not use solar rocket boosters because they felt it was too unsafe it was too volatile so you know if the russians are saying that (laughs) then there's something going on there maybe there's some credence to it (laughs) (laughs) and then uh so the disaster happens lives are lost, families are torn apart, like everybody at Morton Thiokol. I I was actually really impressed. The documentary crew got a lot of people from both NASA and Morton Thiokol to sit down for interviews. Everybody at Morton Thiokol who was interviewed, I mean, they were like crying. They were like, if only I had tried harder to make NASA understand, like maybe we should have, you know, done something more the night before the Challenger launch. Like I felt so bad for them because they've, this is weighed, weighed on them well, you for can imagine 35 the, years. You can imagine the guilt that they've had over this because it's not right. only the lives, I mean, completely and, and, uh, and appropriately significant that they feel guilty about the lives lost, but also the, sp- the space program, like the shuttle never really kind of bounced back from that because people were, even though there were launches after that for many years, many, you know, almost two decades later, people still remember the Challenger disaster right. and they, they associate the shuttle with the Challenger disaster because mm-hmm. we all saw it in one way, shape or form, whether right. we saw it live or we saw the news coverage. And of I've course, seen- those days in the 80s, you're like, you're watching TV at home and all of a sudden there's a news bulletin mm-hmm. breaking in. That's how you're finding these things out. It's not like you're seeing it on Twitter or anything like that, obviously. So we all sort of followed along to it as it was happening, as it was unfolding and you're watching. I remember... I didn't see it live, but I remember seeing very shortly after it happened and watching the pieces plummet into the oh, ocean. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a real, that was, that st- stayed in my mind. That was seared in my mind. 
um, even as a young strapping lad in, in Canada, uh, who had no, uh, you know, I had no fight in the game, but, um, it was just very, it was a very traumatic thing. And I can only imagine all the school kids who were watching right. the live broadcast because the teacher was a teacher was on mm-hmm. board. And then you imagine how that sears your consciousness right. for the, you know, in terms of how you feel about space travel and how you feel about spectacle and how you feel about NASA and the government. I mean, there's all these things that years later, you know, people are still dealing with them, I'm sure. My school wasn't one of the ones that was watching it live for some reason. Um, In January of 86, I was nine years old. I was in the fourth grade. I don't know if the teachers had a TV on and were watching it in the teacher's lounge or if they heard about it on the radio or something, because I remember between classes like we were, you know, walking into a classroom and one of the teachers said something to the effect of like, I can't remember if she said like there's been an accident or if she said like the shuttle blew up, but she said they weren't sure like what had happened to the astronauts. And then, you know, it was 1986. Mm -hmm. There wasn't eight bajillion cable channels like there are now. There wasn't the internet. Like there were three channels and the Challenger footage was just playing on a loop on all those channels. So I've seen that footage dozens, if not hundreds of times, like in the 35 years since that happened. So, yeah. And and the sad part about it is like you mentioned earlier, Coco, is that that was completely preventable and it was just a matter of, it was, uh, it was arrogance and it was, uh, organizational, uh, or organizational ignorance too, in terms of, we just got to keep pushing this and we got to keep going and we got to keep on schedule and we want to make sure that we get our funding the mm-hmm. next year and the year after that. And, and it, it just was completely unreasonable. And Reagan even tried to cover it up afterwards. Like right. he told, there, you know, of course, there's a presidential commission to figure out what, what happened. And he, and by the way, the board that looked like that, it was like a scene from one of those cheesy high school quiz shows like there's yeah. all these guys sitting in the in these really compact areas with their name placards uh-huh. in front of them and everything like that it looked like it didn't look like it was very professional to me but well, it anyway. was the 80s right and so reagan told the head of the commission hey man you know go easy on nasa the american people still need heroes mm-hmm. like they can't be told that nasa basically can't be found to be at fault right don't embarrass and, nasa yeah and then fortunately the truth came out and it was discovered obviously that NASA just recklessly went ahead with this despite all the warnings that they'd received. So fortunately, the truth did come out. And the the head of the commission, when he first realized how things were going, like <laughs> you could see in the footage that it looked like he was like crapping his pants at the table because <laughs> this is not how Reagan told me to do things. And then when finally it appeared like, okay, the truth is definitely going to come out. Like that was when he turned on NASA right. and he started... He started grilling them. Yeah, he started grilling them. But it's like, you know, the families can't even get the truth like i really hope the family has just sued the crap out of nasa (laughs) seriously because with all the documentation that they knew full well what was going to happen like i really hope the family's just sued the crap out of nasa and it's not going to bring your family back but they're you know lives were lost needlessly well and it's also that pack mentality too of the military slash uh astronauts you know that whole group of people and that whole faction is that you just do what the government tells you to do or you you do what your supervisor tells you to do. And I think they were just falling in line. It's like, well, if NASA says we're good to go, we must be good to go. But the the thing that really was reinforced to me throughout all of this was the fact that 
you just never know. Like you, you, incompetence is everywhere. Right. It's like you go to the doctor just because the doctor has a medical degree doesn't mean they're good at their job. Well, hopefully the doctor has a medical degree. Sometimes you hear about people faking right. their degrees and <laughs> right. stuff, but, but but yeah, no, there's. But hopefully the doctor has a medical degree. And right. You go there and you're you're just sometimes we have this blind faith in mm-hmm. institutions and and in technology and it's like well the person is responsible you know they must be they must be good but mm-hmm. not all doctors are good not all tv repairmen are good not mm-hmm. all uh podcasts are good so you know but you, this one totally is you've got to you've got to be you know careful and you've got to not completely trust the system i mean i've always believed in that myself it's like just because somebody has a position of responsibility or authority doesn't mean they're actually good at that job you have incompetence in every field and that was underlined and reinforced by this docuseries well and me not being an astronaut and not being in a stem field i wouldn't go up into space anyways on (laughs) any kind of nasa shuttle or rocket because those things were made with like they accept like the lowest bids they possibly can. <laughs> right. So you know you're going up in like a bucket of bolts that's held together with like some tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't go up into space anyways, just because you know the, the bid that was accepted wasn't the one that was like the safest. It was the one that was the cheapest. Right. And you're going into space. It's right. not like I'm you know driving from Hartford to like Philly. <laughs> you know, like that's probably going to be less of a risk. So uh, I think that the bottom line is we liked this uh, docu series. We liked this documentary. Yes. I uh, I'm a sucker for the documentaries, and this was a pretty good one. Uh, I have to say that I it was I think it was the right length. I don't know if I would have. I, I'm getting a little bit tired of watching these things that are more than two episodes. <laughs> He's saying that because we are in the middle of watching Ratchet, which is eight episodes, and we are not enjoying it. So uh, it's taken us a long time to finish that one off. I, I sort of miss old-fashioned movies, you know, like <laughs> two hours long and you're done. <laughs> but we just watched The Devil all the time, and that wasn't any good either. That wasn't good either. But that, at least that was done. Like right. we, were, we were in on that one. We knew it wasn't great when we watched it, but we knew the end was in sight. Um, so like four parts, I was fine with that. I, I got enough out of it to, to justify sitting down for four hours, that sort of thing. But um, but I would be interested in, you know, there's talk of doing a lot of these things that come out as regular series. I would be interested to hear more about the space program and as treated this way. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other space missions they had. There, there should be another series made on the 2007 disaster and, and yeah. what happened there. Mm-hmm. Or 2003, I should say. And um, and what was behind the scenes there. Uh, it, probably a lot of the same things, but the players will have changed. You know, a lot of the executives will weren't the same, obviously. And notice that a lot of the people that were interviewed, when they had their uh, timeline below them, like engineer, it was like 1978 to 1986. Like a lot of these people got fired or resigned mm-hmm. right after this thing. So there's so that was interesting but also in lieu of this uh, in 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 this particular documentary but also because there'll be new players in place and what did they learn from this disaster and how did they apply it. And the bottom line around this too is that NASA's not doing the shuttle anymore. I mean they're not any shuttle launches. It's SpaceX. It's all privatization. So which is also another thing I really don't know. 
Yeah. Well, it's if for I'd profit, right? So right. there actually, in some ways, there's more at stake because you don't want a, a SpaceX shuttle thing to go up and then explode because it's bad for business. Right. Which is the... Because Elon Musk needs more money. It's the driving force in a lot of things that happen in the United States. It's like, well, we got to make some money. And if anything hurts the business, then we don't want to do it. It's not about, well, is it good for the people? Is it good mm. for the clients? No, it's about the money. So... Uh, I would be interested in seeing another series, and we'll see how SpaceX does. I mean, they've they've launched some shuttles and they've brought some things back successfully. They had a couple of uh, uh, mishaps with explosions and things like that, but Elon Musk, like you said, he can afford a, a couple of mistakes here and there. Well, there's better stuff to spend your money on down here on Earth. So right, we got some issues with it. Maybe we should throw some money at. Yeah, I should have issued the caveat at the beginning of this episode that. I watch this as not a particular fan of the space program because we have lots of hungry people right here at home. <laughs> Why are we spending all this money to right. go up and collect rocks on the moon? Yeah. Which some people are going to be like, that's short-sighted. But yeah, you know what? I don't I don't really care. And a topic for another uh, podcast, Coco, is are your thoughts on the um, moon landings? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Fake. So, listener, uh, uh, that's about it for this podcast. I think that uh, mine is two rocket boosters up, probably uh-huh. a booster and a half anyway. Like, it was it was pretty good. Yeah, I'd give it like a B plus to maybe an A minus. Okay. Yeah, right. I, thought it, I thought it was good too. Yeah. Unlike Dalts, like I said, I could definitely have done with a couple extra episodes, but it wasn't overly long so that's good there's nothing worse than having to slog through 10 episodes of something you don't like well like ratchet and like this one could have very easily have gone there too yeah totally it's like there's a wealth of information yeah yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that they had so many interviews with these people and they weren't all weepy interviews either like a lot of them there was anger and there was apprehension and mm-hmm. there was uh mistrust and there was uh and the lack NASA- of guilt by the na- head nasa yeah, guy the nasa guys are still like i made the inf- the decision i had with the information i had at the time and i would make that decision again even knowing what happened and i'm like, like i really hope that's a defense mechanism because you can't like your brain just can't let you comprehend the horror mm-hmm. of what you did yeah like i really hope that that's why you're defensive is because you just can't live with yourself if you face the truth of what you actually did well and that's also probably more a an old-fashioned manager guy who just like i'm making a decision and i'm living with it no matter what the consequences are right all the nasa guys from the 80s were like old military guys with like crew cuts and still yeah still so so if you uh speaking of nasa we also did a podcast on the netflix fiction series away you should chickety check that out we've done a lot of space stuff apparently because s is for september and space i guess and we all want to get the f out of here yeah (laughs) okay so if you want to listen to that you can (laughs) to our episode on away you can listen to us on apple podcasts pandora spotify stitcher soundcloud uh tune in google play ghana if you're in india imdb did I already say YouTube? And also Amazon Music. We are on Amazon Music. Please find us there. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. If you want to check us out on Facebook and Twitter, our handle is Coco and Daltz. If you want to email us and let us know what you think about the podcast, what you want to hear us review in the future, you can email us at CocoAndDaltz at gmail.com. And finally, you can find us on the interwebs at CocoAndDaltz.com dot com for our reviews of things that we do not talk about on the podcast 
So that's another edition of the podcast, listener. And if we ever get through Ratchet, that's probably a future <laughs> podcast for you to look forward to. We're having a tough time with that one. Oh, man, that's a that's a one episode a night uh, kind of deal. After <laughs> yeah, that, I just want to lie down and <laughs> eat ice cream or something like that, like do something joyful. <laughs> so for another episode, thanks for listening. I'm not Dalt. And I'm not Coco. <laughs>